the final AJC poll shows a tight race for U.S. Senate and a big Kemp lead. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about our final UGA poll conducted by the University of Georgia School of Policy and International Affairs. We've had a number of polls from them over the years, and this is our last one before the November 8 midterms. We talk about the governor's race, the Senate race, President Joe Biden's approval ratings, as well as some of the down ticket races. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Okay, Patricia, let's talk about the top lines in this poll. First, with the governor's race. I don't think it's surprising to any of our listeners that Governor Kemp still has a solid, not an unassailable lead, but a solid lead over Stacey Abrams. He's at 51%. She's at 44%. The margin of error is at 3%. This mirrors a lot of the polls we've seen, including the previous AJC UGA polls. Although it's tightened a little bit, uh, our last poll had... Uh, Stacey Abrams down by 10 points. She's now down by seven. Um, her campaign, we should note, has long said that the the the, uh, the electorate, the slice of the electorate that polls like this one capture does not reflect the actual electorate that will show up in November. They point to early voting numbers. They point to a surge of, of new voters who are going to be hard to predict and folks who just, you know, don't show up in these polls. Either way, though, we know that we've seen a, a large body of work now that shows that Governor Kemp has a solid lead over Stacey Abrams. Yeah, and he doesn't just have a solid lead over Stacey Abrams. He has an over 50% lead over Stacey Abrams for at least the fifth or sixth poll in a row that we've seen. So he's consistently clearing that 50% mark. And that is so hugely important for any candidate in Georgia so that you can win outright on Election Day and avoid a runoff. I think that two really important points in here for Stacey Abrams, though, are movement among Black voters toward Abrams. She had been polling at about 80% in the past several polls with Black voters. We see in this poll she's up to 87%. Very, very important movement for that group. And if she can get to um, get those voters to be up at around 90, that's at least where she needs in order to be thinking about a statewide win. She's also doing extremely well among independent voters. And those are the voters she obviously has to pad her Democratic lead. She's got to pad that with independent voters. I think that her performance in the debate... Uh, on uh, Sunday night, if there is anything that it might have done for her, 
is to tell those independent voters that she and they are on the same page on a number of issues, including abortion and guns. And, um, you know, that might have gotten a few of those independents to the polls for her. We'll see. But I think she's got some uh, numbers in here that her campaign can work with. Her campaign, again, does not feel like this poll is reflective of their own reality. But it does, um, even though they don't agree with the results of this poll, I think there are still some numbers in here that show movement in the direction that they're going to be placed with. I'm glad you mentioned that because we have spoken a lot and written a lot about uh, Stacey Abrams and her support among black voters. She's talked about it a lot. She's had events catered to black voters to try to energize them to get to the polls. And we're starting to see that movement. It's, it's about a double-digit gain from a poll we did back in September. And as you mentioned, too, Governor Kemp, he's the only candidate in the five races that we polled who surpasses 50% of the vote. That's the threshold, of course, needed to notch an outright victory and avoid a December runoff. And we're seeing some trends continue with his campaign as well. Nearly all Republicans, 96%, back his quest for a second term. That's usually not a surprise, but of course, given a really uh, vicious primary battle earlier this year and Donald Trump's uh, endorsement of a rival, it is significant that he has consolidated his party's support despite that, uh, that Donald Trump backlash. He's also winning nearly two-thirds of voters who are over the age of 65, which is, again, one of the uh, most reliable blocks of voters. Yeah, and I think something else that this poll shows, again, which is just hugely, hugely important, is a small but really important number of Democrats crossing over to vote for Brian Kemp. It's that split ticket between Brian Kemp and Raphael Warnock that we're continuing to see. That is going to be really important for both gentlemen. That kind of crossover can keep Kemp over 50%. That can also power Warnock to a potential, um, I don't know, runoff at this point, strong finish <laughs> for part one into part two, I'm not sure. But we do still see that really important crossover vote between the two gentlemen. And it's showing up again here for Brian Kemp. And in here, you know, go deep in the weeds and you'll see that he even has a positive approval rating among Democratic voters. 12% of Democrats give him a positive approval rating, feel like they like the job that he's done. And that is pretty, it's not a gigantic number, but it's really relevant in kind of these times, this polarized times in uh, kind of our political environment. Uh, you don't see too much crossover appeal between candidates and Kemp has that. And that's a big part of the reason that he's up over 50% right now. And you mentioned that split ticket trend. Let's shift over to the Senate race because we've seen this over and over again. And if there's a reason why there this race ends in a runoff, the Senate contest ends in a runoff, but there's clear victories in the other contests, it's because of the split ticket trend. Um, our poll says 6% of Kemp supporters say they're voting for Warnock. 5% of Kemp supporters say they're backing Chase Oliver, the Libertarian. Uh, a few more percentage points are undecided. When you flip the script and you look at... Um, uh, Stacey Abrams supporters backing Herschel Walker, it's a statistically uh, insignificant number. It's almost zero, right? It's within the margin of error. So you're seeing, uh, you know, that trend continue. And and here's one reason why. You know, I wrote that the poll offers fresh insight into why Walker's struggling with that, those voters, um, even as other Republicans aren't. And we, we've heard it. It's this history of violent behavior, pattern of, of lies, as well as the recent allegations that he pressured two ex-girlfriends into having abortion. We're not sure that they've changed the dynamic because the numbers haven't really budged in the last three AJC polls. We've seen both these candidates in the mid-40s. Walker's numbers have remained flat. Warnock's numbers have re remained flat. We saw a slight majority of Georgia voters don't think Herschel Walker's honest, while only 39% of 
say he's trustworthy. And yet, you know, as we quoted one of the voters in the story, they think, you know, they said bad things about him. This, this Republican voter said he thinks he's a dumb jock and he's worried about how he emerged as the party's nominee. But at the same time, he's voting for him for one reason. And that is, quote, I prefer Herschel Walker over Warnock simply because I don't want Democratic control of the Senate. Patricia, this is a trend we see over and over and over again. Yes. So the situation is that Raphael Warnock has a 10-point advantage over Herschel Walker on a, a favorable impression. You know, 39% have a favorable impression of Herschel Walker. 49% say the same thing about Raphael Warnock. When you get down to which candidate would you say understands the issues that he'll be dealing with, there is a 23-point advantage for Raphael Warnock, 65 to 42 over Herschel Walker. So a minority of voters feel like Herschel Walker Here's the whole list. Um, they don't have a favorable impression of him. Do you think he's honest? 39%. Would you say that he has good leadership skills? 38%. Would you say the candidate understands the issues? 42%. And yet he is has a very slight lead tied, but with like that's just a, a percentage edge of Ralph Warnock in this race. And that has a lot to do with Joe Biden. Joe Biden's approval rating in this poll is 37%. So this race has been almost completely nationalized. But I'm going to say it's not been totally nationalized. Otherwise, Herschel Walker would be winning this race. Um, he'd be winning this by a large margin. But because of those personal questions, that incredibly chaotic background, that portrait of chaos that's emerging, his past violence against his own wife, his own family, that's what's keeping him under 50% and keeping this race so tight. If it had been totally nationalized, he would be winning this race outright on Election Day. Now to add as well, Senator Warnock's strategy is also keeping him in that race. You know, in a, in a terrible climate for Democrats, where you've got economic instability, you've got Joe Biden's low approval ratings, which have remained basically unmoved in the last few months of AJC polls. You have a senator who has relatively high approval ratings, who's liked by uh, uh, you know a large proportion of voters, according to our poll, and who has kind of done this whole arm's length Biden approach that at least seems to be keeping him in the ballpark. We'll see if all this is, these are right next week. Um, but right now we, we you know, that, that this, these polls are, are one of the better measures we have of where voters are in this contest. Okay, we're gonna take a, a quick break, come back and talk about the down ticket races, a little bit more about Biden, as well as Donald Trump's ratings in our poll. Uh, before we go to break though, we here at Politically Georgia would love to know what you think of our podcast. Please click the link in today's episode description answer a few questions so we'll know how to make this podcast even better for you. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to a special edition of the Politically Georgia 
podcast from the AJC. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with Patricia Murphy. We're two of the political insiders. We're also two of the authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes in the agenda in Georgia politics. And we'd love it if you subscribe to the AJC to get it in your inbox every morning by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. And your first month of unlimited digital access is less than a dollar. Subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. Hey, Patricia, we talked a little bit about Joe Biden, but yeah, uh, if there is a reason why this race is so tight and, and these, Dem- these Democrats and other contests are struggling, it continues to be President Joe Biden's sagging popularity. About 37% of likely voters approve of his performance, 57% disapprove, and significantly, 50% of those who disapprove say they strongly disapprove of the president. So folks are very polarized about him. Uh, the numbers include 12% of Democrats and half of independents give Biden poor reviews. So we know why Republicans are trying to tie Joe Biden to their opponents like anchors <laughs> on a ship. Absolutely, um, because it works, okay? And so when you look at these down-ticket races, people who even have relatively low name ID, like Republican Burt Jones running for lieutenant governor, he is up over his opponent, Charlie Bailey, 47-39. Charlie Bailey actually got up near 48% of the vote in 2018 when he ran for attorney general. So he's not a totally unknown candidate, but you just see up and down the ballot when we go through all of these down ballot races and a significant partisan advantage for Republicans over Democrats um, heading into election day. The person who has the widest gap over his competitor, though, is Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, 10-point edge over B. Wynn, who is running for Secretary of State as the Democratic nominee. She is just an incredibly aggressive, skilled candidate, but I think she is finding um, not only the partisan disadvantage in this situation, but also Brad Raffensperger, like Brian Kemp, has been able to build his own brand out. Now, that, that lead is shrinking quite a bit for Raffensperger, but it's still the largest lead that any Republican has over a Democrat in all of these um, statewide races. So he's still in a really commanding position there in that Secretary of State's race. Yeah, not long ago, it was closer to 20. Now it's closer to 10. It's hard to turn on TV without seeing Bean Win ads. <laughs> They're everywhere. Uh, and she was also showcased at that Obama rally just a few days ago. Yeah, you mentioned Bailey, Burt Jones. Burt Jones is up 47-39 over Charlie Bailey. 15% are undecided or backing a third-party candidate. And I guess the closest down-ticket race would be Chris Carr versus Jen Jordan. He has a seven-point lead, 49 to 42. All those races have gotten a little bit tighter. Republicans also have the edge in a generic ballot in Georgia, which is important. 51% of likely voters say they'd rather see the Republican Party win control of Congress, while 46% prefer Democrats to maintain their edge in Washington. Patricia, before we go, I want to talk about one more important finding we had, which was Donald Trump. We went ahead and asked the Donald Trump question, even though, of course, he's not on the ballot. Uh, And we found, not surprisingly, he remains a very divisive figure as he prepares for what we think could be a comeback attempt in 2024. Most likely voters, that's 52%, have an unfavorable opinion of the one-term president, uh, including 15% of Republicans and 80% of independents, about 42% say they view him favorably. So uh, Donald Trump's ratings, his, his favorability is underwater here in Georgia. Well, yeah, and I think that tracks just exactly with why he lost here in Georgia. He lost independence and he lost some 
Republicans. And that really hasn't changed. Nothing has happened in the years that Joe Biden became president, other than the fact that people don't like Joe Biden very much, apparently. Um, But nothing has happened to improve Donald Trump's popularity here in the state of Georgia. And when he lost that race in 2020, he did that at a time when most people felt like this still felt like a more Republican than Democratic state. It didn't quite feel like a true battleground state yet, but it felt like Donald Trump's incredible Um, I guess his unpopularity here in the state is what pushed Georgia over the edge to become a democratic state to allow Joe Biden to come in and win because Donald Trump had been so polarizing. And then you go into those May primaries here in 2022 and Donald Trump's opinion of candidates really just seemed not to matter at all. He had his handpicked candidates up and down the ballot, most of them um, who were people he had recruited and drafted to run lost by gigantic margins. Having that Donald Trump stamp of approval was more um, of a strike against a candidate than a strike, than I guess a vote in favor of the candidate. And that is among the GOP base. And then you widen that out to the general electorate broadly. And you'll see um, that uh, Donald Trump is not a kind of a winning brand here in the state. Um, It doesn't mean, however, that he wouldn't run for president again, and even potentially win that GOP primary, depending on who turns out. Because you know, you don't have to go far in Georgia to come across still a large swaths of people who are still very, very supportive of Donald Trump. It just isn't the majority of voters here in the state anymore. Yeah, depending on who turns out and how many other candidates run, because the more candidates run, probably the better off for the former president. He'll welcome as many candidates as possible on that ballot because that, that only improves his chances. Okay, that is about all the time we have for today's special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, we are rocking and rolling on the campaign trail. Both of us have had a half dozen events today alone, plus the poll. So it's been very, very busy, and we'll have a lot more coverage for you on the campaign trail this week, including more episodes this week to talk about Mike Pence's visit, to talk about President, former President Barack Obama's visit, and to talk about uh, and to answer your questions from our weekly mailbag. We'll answer your questions from the listener mailbag, which you can call into. It's the Politically Georgia podcast hotline at 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. We can't wait to hear from you. Shaney B and his interns are standing by. Some are sitting. Some are sitting. <laughs> some, are, some are lounging while we're on the campaign. There's cheese lounges all around the call center. Some are watching HBO Max. Um, <laughs> I watched The White Lotus last night. It was pretty good. I liked the first season a lot. I watched The Great British Bake Off. It was Custard Week. Oh, great. That's good. So I'm glad we're getting a, yeah. li- a little bit of time. <laughs> and Halloween, of course. Um, I do not have pink flamingos in my front yard. I'm actually on a, it looks like a four-game winning streak. So I've been killing my opponents. My team name is a... Uh, a knockoff from 2020. It is the radical socialists. So uh, <laughs> the uh, the partisans on my team enjoy <laughs> on my league enjoy that. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or like special days whenever big news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. 
I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.